Okay, if you take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5, we're back in Galatians this morning, trucking along. Wasn't it great having a visiting elder from New Zealand share with us this morning? Yeah, didn't he have an awesome accent? I was just sitting there thinking, man, if I just had an awesome accent like that, I could really preach. Maybe that's the reason we went to New Zealand, so I could have an awesome accent. Okay, uh, Galatians 5, 1 to 13. It's been a few weeks, so I'm going to just give you some context. And as the Holy Spirit leads, Christ in you just asks that you take notes. And uh, you can write with a crayon or a pen or lipstick or whatever you have available. The context of, of Galatians is he's writing to this Roman region of Galatia, right, that he left, and right after he left, these professing Jewish Christians called the Judaizers, they, they came and they said essentially that Paul gave you half-truths. He, he really just wants to develop a following. He didn't tell you all the story. In fact, he's not really an apostle. If you really want to follow Jesus, then you need to become a Jew. You need to come under Jewish Old Testament law and be circumcised. Now Paul's response is he went to Jerusalem and he confronted the issue head on. And, and he took a living illustration with him, that's Titus, who was a, a Gentile convert who'd not been circumcised. Right? You see where this is going. And when Peter, James, and John upheld, yes, this is the gospel, you don't have to be circumcised, Titus then was the living proof because he came back and he wasn't circumcised, and yet he was accepted. Now, the letter's whole argument is that free now believers are from trying to be saved by giving God any sort of righteousness by the law. You're free now to rest in righteousness that Jesus gives you by faith. And that's where we are this morning. We're actually talking about freedom. And so, let's read Galatians 5, and I'll read from 1 to around verse 16. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Verse 13. 
For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Please pray with me once more. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the flesh. Freedom. Freedom to walk in the Spirit and not gratify, not give in, not live by the flesh. Father, that's what we want, Lord. And so I pray right now that you would do a work of sanctification in our heart, changing us, transforming us more into the image of Jesus. Teach us our hearts and our minds. Lord, let the aroma of Christ, the glory of Christ be seen like the sun, the radiance of it, here through your word. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you, when we talk about Christian freedom, how free are you to serve Christ? Say, what do you mean? Well, Christian freedom is is not a freedom just to live however I want to live. It's a spirit-empowered freedom that actually now enables you to joyfully obey, follow, and serve Christ, serve the Lord. And Paul then says, His command to you is stand firm because freedom is is a narrow path that is easily lost on either side. Years ago when I was in Bible school, I I began to see this trend with a lot of students that were there that under the banner of freedom, these students began to really cuss and drink a, a whole lot. And there was another group on campus that was just the opposite. All you received from these students was law and condemnation. Law and condemnation. They would, in classes, they would argue the smallest doctrinal point. They would condemn their professors because whatever, they weren't doing this enough or, or that enough. And so trying to get a little clarity, I, I went to a mentor, professor of mine, and I said, can you explain this to me? And he said, yeah, Rusty, this is the way it works that I've seen it so often. It's a pendulum. He said, sometimes we get Christians from very legalistic, harsh backgrounds. And when they hear grace and they hear freedom, the pendulum often sadly swings to the fields of license. On the other hand, some students come from non-Christian backgrounds, and when they hear the gospel and they hear about grace and what Christ has done for them, they want to obey so much that the pendulum swings in the other direction towards legalism, which can set up two different groups on campus. And the gospel says to follow Christ, you must renounce license, my sinful flesh, freedom to do whatever I want to do, but also legalism, our religious self-righteousness, that I am trusting in what I do for the Lord to be pleased with me. And this is what he's talking about in Galatians 5. These are the two polluted streams that Paul tells us destroy your Christian freedom. Legalism on one side, he says, don't submit to the yoke of slavery to the law. 
On the other side, license. He says, don't use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Two great dangers that he's laying before us. Both of them camouflaged as Christian grace and freedom. Brothers and sisters, real Christian freedom says the Spirit gives you now the ability to serve and actually obey God. And in the land of legalism and license, it's all about me doing. But freedom enables me, they think, to do whatever my sinful heart wants to do. Or freedom enables me to gain God's love through my doing. But true Christian freedom, purchased by Christ, given to you by the Holy Spirit, actually for the first time sets you free to know, love, and do the will of your Heavenly Father. So here's the main idea today. Spirit-empowered freedom is a narrow bridge over two polluted streams called legalism and license. Two things we want to see about this. First is, we must not turn liberty, which is freedom, must not turn liberty into legalism. Verse 1, if you'll look at verse 1 in your Bibles with me. Verse 1. Notice what he says there. For freedom Christ has set us free. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom. Listen. God chose you before the foundations of the world. He called you by the Holy Spirit in time. And he called you to live in the land of freedom. Right? Christ delivered you from judgment, from the power of the flesh, from guilt, from shame, from the yoke of the law, from condemnation, to live in Christian freedom. So on the cross, God's work was to set you free. Now you're called then to respond to that. Verse 1, look in your Bibles. Notice what he says. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. <laughs> this is his stand firm in freedom. You say, okay, stand firm against what? Notice what it says. A yoke of slavery to circumcision. Now, a yoke is a piece of wood that was placed upon the shoulders of two animals, and it would join them together, and it would take away their freedom. Catch that. The animals were now driven by something else. Something else was mastering them. And he's saying, if you submit to circumcision or the Old Testament law for God's acceptance of you, then you will become a slave. You will be yoked. The law will begin to direct and guide your life, leading you away from Christ. So either it's law or it's grace. Verse 3 and 4. Look in your Bibles with me. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by law, you have fallen away from grace. Christ will no longer be an advantage to you. You've fallen from grace. You've been severed from Christ if you're circumcised and you're under the law. 
you are no longer under Christ. Why? Because faith rests on Christ entirely or not at all. Entirely or not at all. Christ and works are mutually exclusive. You cannot be saved by both. And the moment you look to works or law, you are severed from the other. So either you are attempting to accomplish your own salvation or you're trusting in the accomplishments of Jesus. And you can't do both, he says. Okay, Rusty, does that mean that I can lose my salvation, that I can be born again, and then I start looking to my performance? Well, listen, one of God's loving graces to the believer is to place warning signs in dangerous places to keep us safe. And legalism is one of the greatest dangers. So all who profess faith, Paul is saying, take this very seriously. It's a warning sign. If you begin to rely on what you do to please God and you leave the grace of Christ, then you will not be declared righteous in the righteousness of Christ. But verse 5 comforts us. Look at verse 5 in your Bibles. Through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. I love this. Through the Spirit, by faith, you wait for the hope of righteousness. In other words, through the Holy Spirit in every believer, you are waiting for your righteousness, which is Christ, which you will see after you die or he comes again. And so look, the believer is not out there heaping up his righteous works and saying, Lord, now I know you're pleased with me. No, no, no. We are waiting by the Spirit, which testifies the gospel to us. We have a hope that our righteousness is at the right hand of God the Father. And when we see him, then we'll be fully declared righteous for all eternity with him. Several years ago, there was a lady named Susan who asked to come and speak to me. I said, sure, why don't we meet together and you can tell me what's going on. And she said that her home had turned really bad. John was sexually abusing her. He was threatening her. He was telling her that the Bible told him and her to submit to anything he wanted because he was the husband. I was shocked because on the outside, everything about John appeared gracious, full of Christian freedom. He taught Sunday school. He studied the Bible. He loved theology. And slowly, I began to put the pieces together as I began to meet with John. And I, suddenly, I came away. The more time I spent with him, unsure, is he really a believer? What's he trusting in? He was always about performing his list of dues, maintaining his good theology. Yet his anger, his pride, his impatience, his selfishness, his abuse of his wife, they never were repented of or dealt with. His whole Christian life was lived under a form of, of legalism. 
Jesus gives him the ability to obey the rules and therefore making God happy with him. You never experience any freedom from sin to love God or his people in his life. Well, how do you know if you live free or enslaved under some form of legalism? Well, I want to bring to your attention three things that Tim Keller says which are very helpful. First is this. Do you live in fearful obedience? In other words, why do you obey? Slaves obey all the moral rules. They keep the outside nice and clean. And they do it because of fear of rejection of God. There's never any rest. There's never any peace. They're never able to really worship and enjoy God. Spirit-powered freedom casts out fear, and we approach as sons, fearless through Christ. Second, do you hide? Someone enslaved to legalism hides their sins and their failures always. They always blame it upon others. They always excuse it. They always justify it. They're never able to actually own their own sin because deep down they think that their righteousness is up to them. Christian grace gives us freedom to boldly approach the throne of grace in our times of need. Christian freedom says, come to the Father when you're struggling. Third, do you live an isolated life? What I'm asking is, are there people in your engine under your hood? When legalism replaces freedom, you must live an isolated life. You will live an isolated life in fear that others will begin to see past your outward display of religion to your dirty heart. So you might go to church, but usually you're not very committed. You're certainly not involved in a community probably hop around every few years. No church is right for you. Spend time with Christians, but it's always superficial. No one really knows what your struggles are. And Christian freedom gives us the freedom to dive into a community because we know we're safe there because of the righteousness of Christ received by faith alone. Let's go to point two. Christian freedom is a narrow bridge over two polluted streams called legalism. The first, here's license, point two. Look in your Bibles at verse 13 with me. Verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Notice that. License. Here's what it means. It sees freedom and grace as permission to sin. It's the university girl that I knew that went to university and really struggled in the worst of ways. And when approached by a believer, says, it's all about grace. (laughs) That's license. And Paul knows that this is the background of the Galatian Christians. So he doesn't just warn them about legalism. He warns them about license. Go on with me in your text. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. He's saying, don't see freedom that Christ has purchased grace as an opportunity to sin and live as you want. 
Jesus did not set us free to do what our flesh wants to do, our sinful desires. Grace does not free us to live to ourselves. It frees us for the first time to trust and serve and know God. It's freedom to serve. And look at your scriptures. But through love, serve one another. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. It's Spirit-empowered freedom. Christ has set every believer free from the tyranny of a sinful, guilty heart and the power of the flesh. Now the Spirit gives you new freedom, which means ability to love and notice His connection to serve one another, to fulfill God's commands by loving Him with all of our heart and our neighbor as ourself. This is the land of Christian freedom. So I want to ask you, how much Christian freedom do you have? How much of it by the Spirit are you walking in? Okay, well, how do I know? Well, how willing are you to love Jesus by serving His people? If not very willing, then you're not experiencing that much Christian freedom. So if the thought of working in the nursery repulses you, then maybe there's not a whole lot of Christian freedom there. Or if you can't be bothered to bring somebody a meal when they're sick, maybe it's a Christian freedom problem. If your heart can't be bothered to serve God in various ways, it's a freedom problem. Now flip that. How can a girl who's trained in nursing and has a wonderful career in front of her leave her home and her godly family to go to South Sudan and lay down her life to bring the gospel? Christian freedom. How can a man get up every day of his life? He's British, so he brings tea. And he brings a cup of tea to his wife in bed every morning. Christian freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you, how free are you to serve Christ and His people? Let's close with this thought. God's going to open doors for you to serve. He promises in Ephesians 2.10, we are workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared so you can walk in them. And when those doors open for you to serve in a variety of ways, license will step in and say to you, I'm free, just say no. Legalism will step in and say, do it. Now God is really pleased with you. And tell everybody that you've done it. I want to encourage you. When God opens doors for you to serve, take some time. Ask the Spirit to give you a greater work of freedom. Because everything in my flesh does not want to. And I bet it's the same for you. To love Christ by serving His people with a joyful heart. So I'm going to ask that you just pray with me now. 
that God would give us freedom from our flesh to love God's people and to serve. Freedom from legalism, freedom from license. Please pray with me. Father, thank you that you found us enslaved. We weren't free. We were enslaved to the flesh. Slave to our sin. And you set us free. The Son set us free when He drew us to Himself. When we were born again, He put the Spirit of freedom in us. Lord, and so we want to walk, we want to stand in that freedom and glorify You to say it came from Christ. It's His power. It's Him that set us free on the cross and through the resurrection. Lord, I pray for the believer in this room that struggles with legalism, thinking that they do, do, do work, live under the law, so that you're pleased with them. Now you're pleased with me. And they never have the freedom to say no to something, especially in the church. Give them freedom. Freedom. For the believer, Lord, that they see sin as opportunity, opportunity that grace says yes to, I pray, God, that you would give them freedom to love and obey you. Lord, we thank you that the Spirit gives us incredible freedom. Let us walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.